Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another broadcast of Obstruction to Justice. And this is an opportunity for us to just chat about the different political, uh, socioeconomic, uh, just different ideas and things that are going on in the local communities uh, in America, huh? And uh, of course, my favorite subject is always business. Hey, Anthony Clark, good to see that you've joined today. Thank you for chiming in and blessings to you too. And you know, this is also an interactive opportunity for you to chime in with uh, your ideas and suggestions and, you know, just participate. You know, this is not just a one-sided conversation, but today we're going to really dive into something that I think is super important to learn and understand because we've been talking about the microeconomics issue and microeconomics, um, the different uh, things that go on in microeconomics, especially in the inner city and the inner city uh, American communities and American communities. So we're going to continue on with that today. Uh, great opportunity to do that. And, you know, one of the, I'm not a shock jock. I want everyone to know that I'm not a shock jock. So I'm not, I'm not good at, okay, because, you know, some people are really good at coming up with uh, fascinating, intriguing things to talk about. But what I like to talk about are relevant situations and their solutions, right? So we can talk about all of the issues that go on in society and, you know, we can discuss them, but then what about some solutions to the issues, right? And what about staying focused on resolving the issues so that maybe within um, a short amount of time, not so much, um, you know, 50 years, 100 years, you know, I'm a little tired of some of this. And, and let's just be honest, I'm a whole lot tired of a lot of this. Okay, I don't know if I've shared, but I'm Ann Moles. I do want to say that. And so everyone knows who I am. But, you know, I want to make sure that we are doing something about what's going on in today's society to make it a better tomorrow uh, for the young people and uh, for young people that that are within the communities that maybe not aren't doing so well, you know, because real, really we're all Americans and we need to come and together like we are Americans, right? Uh, I know that there's always been a self-interest, special interest. Hey, Risa Singleton, glad that you joined. Always the self-interest, special interest, uh, because you're interested in what's going on within your own communities. And that's cool too. But just know that this is the United States of America. Okay. So being united, we stand. Now, see, we used to say that. And of course we know that divided we fall and that's even, even scriptural, you know, yep, you, you got it. You guessed it. Uh, the cat is let out of the bag. Once again, I am a Christian. Hmm. And even, even the scriptures say that a house divided can't stand. So we wonder you know, what is going on and then to provide some solutions to, to some of the, what we can at least at least discuss it. You know, so open discussion discussions and you're put in your chat, put in the chat what it is you want to contribute and everything and just make it make it good for yourself. Right. You know, participate. Hmm. Now we're going to talk about a subject today that uh, we're going to discuss uh, the discriminatory practices uh, of redlining. Yeah, redlining. So we're going to just dive right into that. I, I'm kind of on a, a schedule now to where, you know, I can't really 
have at it like I want, but you know, we're going to stretch some of this out. Today, we're going to talk about redlining. There's so much to talk about, you know, the subject of redlining. People just don't know. And we just walk through our days, live through our days, and we just think that everything is hunky-dory with uh, what it is, me, myself, and I, and all that. Well, you know, if it's not good for your neighbor, then it's not really going to be good for you. Because truth is, it's coming everywhere. We are in big financial trouble when it comes to the uh, United States. And you know we're we're going to need to come together and, and at least those of us that are aware let's speak out and let's talk about some things to to make things better um so let me go ahead and i'm just going to dive right in again this is the microeconomics and inner city american community so we're going to talk about redlining today now i don't know if if you guys are familiar with what redlining is okay now there's tons of information about what redlining is because it's a, a hot topic, right? But it shouldn't be just a hot topic. It should be a topic that is relevant and that we talk about and that we make sure that we're aware of and we share with our legislators so that when they go in to make votes and when they go in to write legislation, then it does include annihilating and uh, these these uh, different discriminatory actions and legal actions that are taking place to discriminate against primarily the African American communities. Okay, <laughs> we just want to we just want to say that that's really who it who it's about. Um, so redlining, and I looked at uh, this is Investopedia. I looked at some information out there, but really it, it ties in with all of what I'm seeing. And then there's some other research. I got a spreadsheet that I want to share too a little bit uh, later on. But redlining is a discriminatory practice that puts services, financial and otherwise, out of reach for residents of certain areas based on race or ethnicity. It can be seen in the systematic denial of mortgages, insurance, loans and other financial services based on location and that area's default history rather than on an individual's qualifications and credit worthiness. Notably, the policy of redlining is felt the most by residents of minority neighborhoods. Okay, so that's really, you know, you, you drive in the different communities and this is, I travel all over the country and I know there's many out there that listen and do the same. Travel all over the country and there's, there's a hood everywhere. Hmm. Yeah, so there's a hood everywhere and I don't know, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get in the rental car and a lot of times what happens is I'll get lost. <laughs> You know, I do the GPS and I'm not saying, okay, don't take me through this area or this neighborhood or what I'm just trying to get there. Right. So there are times where I get a chance to drive through the different neighborhoods and uh, you can tell that there's something wrong. What is it about certain neighborhoods where uh, they're socially, economically oppressed? because there's old houses, older houses there. Uh, th there aren't amenities there when we're talking about stores, convenience stores, where you can get uh, what you're needing quickly without paying a whole lot, you know, big box stores. You know, you can always tell certain neighborhoods that are that uh, and what type of neighborhoods there are based on what companies are represented in those neighborhoods as well. So I drive around and I get a, a chance to see really what's going on with these particular areas and neighborhoods. And I just see that, you know, there's oppression there. And you, you have to ask the question, why? Well, you know, there's systematic redlining that's going on. And based on what we just talked about, uh, we know that even when we're talking about the financial discriminatory practices that are put uh, on services, financial and otherwise, what that means, even financial services. And I want to take it to the primary feature here. When we're talking about financial services, let's talk about jobs. Okay. It, it, there's an old saying in the African American community, uh, last one hired, first one fired. 
Okay, so that means you're not on your job long if you're going to get the job. Uh, and they just hire you. You're the last one hired, but you're the first one to get up out of there. And I think that that's a lot of what happens in the African-American communities is that there's discrimination going on in the hiring practices, even though, uh, you know, a lot of these companies get uh, government funding and they do have to represent who it is that they're hiring how or who it is that they're interviewing. You know, uh, there's uh, has been several class action lawsuits that have gone on and one that I'm kind of familiar with in particular and that there was even age discrimination. Well, age discrimination, even within that, it's like, okay, well, uh, they're not going to hire you because of you being a certain age. They have to pay you more, they feel, or they think, you know, they have to pay you more. And of course, you know, you're going to want more, but you're going to know more. So you're going to get what you're, what they're paying for. Well, if there's age discrimination, that's also uh, a financial issue, right? Uh, but not just la first, last one hired, first one fired, but being unemployed, huh? unemployment rate is still high amongst the percentage of our population. That's just a known fact. And it still continues to be that way. So unemployment and then underemployment. So that's an issue. You, you're not getting paid what you're worth. You're having to take a job of course, which is a very honorable thing to do. Let's let's get the jobs. Hmm? Take the job and then work the job and do the best to be within budget and hang in there. And while you're look while you're working a job, continue to look for a job. And we teach that in career management. We have a great career management class with uh, ASBNC training and consulting. Uh, we we teach you those fundamental principles. And you know, a lot of times people just don't know. It gone are the days are when you can get with a company and retire from the company. They're just not, they're just not going to let you stay. Right. Um, whatever goes on, you get with a, a, a boss that is unreasonable or, or whatever. They don't like you. They want to bring in their buddy or their whatever. And, and there you go. Your job is, is gone. Right. So then when it comes to not having the job or volatile, volatile income, right? That's kind of really the issue. Uh, so they know, okay, well, this is going to, this is a African-American person. They may not be on their job tomorrow. They're going to uh, have issues or whatever about paying mortgage or keeping up with payments. So they, so that they could probably realistically come up with that because they know that it's systematically put in the system to where it there's discrimination against African-Americans. So, you know, you have that, and then what about being the single parent or the single person in the home, having to be the breadwinner and having to be the parent too? So it's, it's only one person, breadwinner in the home. They go, they qualify for the loan, they get the home, but then something happens and, you know, they can't make the house payment or whatever. They get behind on the house payment and then boom, they're out. If, if you don't have a perfect life for freaking 30 years, right? There's going to be something to go on, right? There's something going to be something to where you're, you're going to be ousted out of the house. And it just happens where it comes more for African-Americans. Uh, even when it comes to cars, keeping a car payment, you know, if you, you have a job today, you don't have a job tomorrow, whatever, what happens to the car payment, you just don't have it. Right. So there's a lot of that going on. So we're talking about discriminatory practices that put services like financial and otherwise out of reach for residents of certain areas based on race and ethnicity. And, you know, I could raise both hands. <laughs> I've experienced all of it. You know, we can uh, also talk to the person that says, hey, you know, I've never experienced it. I've had this great life. And, you know, it's just not like that. You know, I don't know what people are thinking about. Well, they're in denial because we're getting ready to share some statistics and show even where, uh, you know, I have this spreadsheet and this comes from the, um, the Census Bureau where it just shows that there is discrimination as far as property and ownership, home ownership there. So in home, home ownership, we're going to share too what home, home ownership really is. And I'm going to just go ahead and let the cat out of the bag on a little bit of this. Hey, Frank Hollins, glad that you joined. Yes. Yep. Truth. Hmm? Yep. Yep. Truth. That is so true. 
uh, what we're sharing here. And uh, that's okay. You know, at least we know the truth, right? And then from there, we can do something about it. That's what's up. But when it comes to home ownership, say for instance, and, and this is where where wealth uh, is, is accumulated. I, I know that there's some uh, financial uh, theories that, you know, home is a liability. It's not really an asset or whatever. But you know what? Those people that are saying that same thing, they own property. They own homes. So until you can show me, you can preach that saying that it's a liability or whatever. Uh, you show me where you don't own a home. You live in a rental property, you know, uh, that is owned by someone else, then then you can tell me about it. But these are millionaires that that have their own homes and own property. So don't fall for that okie doke. That here where it's a liability and that you have to take care of it, but you have to take care of everything, right? But the thing about this piece of property, and you know, it may not become real to you until you get older, young people. Yes. Buy the home, right? Buy the home if you can hang in there, save to where you have the six months or whatever you're needing to pay the mortgage. So if it gets to that, don't live above your means in the home. Because what happens is, I don't care if it takes you 30 years, get that 30 year fixed mortgage, get it. Right now, the interest rates are where they're super low. And I know that there's there's uh, supposed to be a shortage on available homes out there or whatever. But when you purchase that property and you get that 30-year fixed loan, right now interest rates are, are low. Okay, that property, you and even if you do pay it off, when you pay it off in 30 years, and that's 30 years. Say, for instance, you double up, you go ahead and pay it off in 20 years. You're really diligent about it. Well, 20 years from now, you have something that you can sell hmm, or rent out. But say, for instance, you sell because the property value, you've taken care of it and, and it's increased, right? The property value is increased. Then you can sell it and, and go buy something that you want, maybe a, a business building, right? Maybe that's something. And then get the business where you can actually live in the business. And, you know, you're in your retirement years and you're having fun. Maybe you don't want to travel. Maybe you want to own a business and, and now you're ready to take the risk. Right. But but that is a, a monetary asset to where, yeah, you can cash it, cash it out. Now, the way that things are going, I'm not sure whether or not it's so easy, cut and dry. I don't know what the next 20 years are looking like, but that is just my perspective of what I'm seeing and experiencing. Look, you get the get the home. If, if those of folks that purchased the home, 20, 30, the home's paid off. Now it's there's property, there's land that you want to purchase. And, and with that land, you can put something on it. See, you know, it might be about getting that piece of land where you can grow vegetables, <laughs> you know, get something, you can have a garden to where you can take care of yourself because it's, it might be coming to that. I mean, have you seen the prices in the grocery store and the bags are getting a little smaller, the portions are getting a little smaller, shrinkage, or whatever. So your dollar's not buying as much, but they still want the same amount of money. Maybe the price is increasing in some, so on some of the products. Well, the thing is about preparation to where you can have something. Another thing about home ownership is, you know, you purchase that home, that's your home. And then you, when you pass, then how many people have inherited homes, right? Those uh, loved ones that have passed and have left the home to where, okay, that home is paid for, and, and then, of course, it's about taxes and, and maintenance on it. But that's still cheaper than trying to go out and throw money away, right? And, of course, it's all about what it is you're looking to do. But this is one of the reasons why home ownership is important in any community. In that uh, European Americans, if it wasn't such a big deal, then why do uh, European Americans families have homes? Why do they have homes? <laughs> Why have property if it's not a big deal to have, right? Well, they can also get the loans, but here's the thing, work towards that, right? Work towards that. And there's there's some opportunities where you can get those loans. I know, see, God is going to open up doors for who he wants to open up doors for. I don't care what color we are, God will fight the battle. And that's where the faith comes in and God opens up the doors. Okay, so we're talking about... Um, uh, redlining. So 
here instead of the uh, credit worthiness. So instead of going and, and uh, basing loan, uh, loan opportunities uh, to people that are um, credit worthy and qualified individuals, they uh, write redlining policies to discriminate based on residents of a minority and minority neighborhoods, okay? Frequently asked questions they have here. Why is it called redlining? Well, the term redlining was coined by sociologist John McKnight in the 1960s, and it derives from how the federal government and lenders would literally draw a red line on a map around the neighborhoods they would not invest in based on demographics alone. In the 1930s, the federal government began redlining real estate, marking risky, quote, so say, risky neighborhoods for federal mortgage loans on the basis of race. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, and this is the federal government. So the loans, uh, FDR, you know, had that uh, policy where they were giving home loans and everything. Well, uh, when they do the redlining and uh, here's risky neighborhoods, well, African-American neighborhoods weren't getting, or people weren't getting the loans to have and purchase the, the property, but European-Americans were. So there's generations, 1930, shoot, my dad was born in 30, 33. Hmm? So he's been passed. So that whole generation, you know, that's a whole generation of uh, four, what, 40 years is a gen, 20 years is a generation. So you're looking at generations that have had opportunities to uh, have wealth by having home ownership and uh, being able to uh, qualify for federal mortgage loans. Okay, so why is red, redlining discriminatory? Redlining is discriminatory, is a discriminatory practice as it puts services, financial and otherwise, out of reach for residents of certain areas based on race or ethnicity. It can be seen in the systematic denial of mortgages, uh, insurance loans, and other financial services based on the location, and that area's default demographic rather than on the individual's credit, uh, qualifications and credit worthiness. In black inner city neighborhoods were most likely to be redlined. Investigations found that lenders would make loans to lower income whites, but not to middle or upper income African-Americans. The result of this redlining in real estate could still be felt decades later. Yep. So even if you had the money, you were upper, uh, upper income, middle income, African-American, uh, you still weren't getting the loans. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty, pretty devastating there. So the takeaway for this redlining is discriminatory practice. It's a discriminatory practice of denying services, typically financial, uh, to residents of certain areas based on their race or ethnicity. Uh, under fair lending laws, these factors cannot be used for making lending or underwriting decisions. So there are laws in place to say, hey, you know, this is illegal. You can't do that. Well, we know it's 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 happening, huh? even if it's happening in a way to where, OK, you know that the income isn't there because you're discriminating against making sure that that uh, the African-American doesn't have or keep that job or doesn't have the good paying job, uh, doesn't keep it. So, you know, that's a way to discriminate. OK, redlining is most often associated with mortgage lending practices, but can also be seen in student loans, business loans, car loans and personal loans. So, you know, you're redlining. Uh, when it comes to those student loans. Now, look, they could have did me a favor. huh? <clears throat> Don't give me the money <laughs> because by the time I get through uh, working and dealing with your little uh, school and education on some of this stuff, you know, you probably could have did better going to a different type of, of school. You know, you don't have to always have that college education. Is the college education worth the piece of paper that you paid for? Hmm? What are you doing with it? And I think there's a lot of young Americans that are asking that question because even now they go out there and they get these school loans and they go to school 
And then from there, they're, they go to school, but then, hey, they come out of school and can't find a job or whatever because of maybe even age discrimination on that end. So there's a discrimination on that, but then uh, uh, a discrimination based on race. Hmm? All right. So that redlining, unfair to that, student loans, business loans, we won't even talk about that. It's already, you know, you listen to the 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 different news medias and everything and, and talking about how big corporations got loans and didn't even need the loans, but then small businesses didn't get loans. And there's some small businesses during the COVID didn't get the loans and now they're closed for good. And business are just, businesses are just dropping like flies, you know, no more small business, big business can stay in uh, tech and grow, but then the small business person doesn't. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a, like that. And I know that there are even issues with doing business as a small business person. Now, I'm going to say, you know, guys, if you're a big corporation, you're into management and you can go out and you can hire. Uh, you're into supporting small business, minority business, women owned businesses, then do that and pay them. <laughs> Gosh, you know, there's a there's a, a, a sort of a, a rule that if you do business with a company, just know that there there's certain companies you I just don't do business with. I, I'm not going to get a contract with them to pour any kind of money in it because they're not going to pay you unless the, the invoice is 60 days old. So don't count on, OK, two weeks like a job, two week check. Uh, I've done the work and I'm going to invoice you. And then two weeks later, you're going to, I'm going to get my check. That's not going to work. That's not how these big businesses do. They'll drag on and drag on. They don't pay their bills. Yeah, they don't pay their bills. But I think the whole case in point and what I'm trying to share here is that when you do business, even the business loan. So what about getting a business loan to where you could hold on for two months and then from there get paid and then pay the loan off? you know, to even qualify for a business loan, being uh, in an ethnic uh, African-American business, black owned business, uh, minority owned business, personal loans. Now, here's what's crazy. These personal loans, you'll have those, uh, what are those, uh, those different uh, payday loans? You'll have payday loans, uh, places in the African-American communities or where they can easily access that. Now it's not so much in the communities per se, but you know, you have your mobile devices and with artificial intelligence, they know who you are. So here's a, here, here's a, uh, they see that you've been Googling, having some issues or whatever, Googling, you know, uh, maybe help, help pay with a particular bill. And then you're Googling that, the different social services. And then, oop, oh, here comes a, an ad that pops up somewhere in one, maybe even a feed. Now, you know, Facebook, uh, any of them, the different feeds that will show, well, hey, here's a loan. Here's a payday loan. And you get tempted. And maybe you fall into that uh, category. So even now, it's not so much brick and mortar anymore. Uh, businesses within the African-American communities, but maybe uh, social spying, you know, based on your uh, just spying on your uh, digital device there to see what it is that you are interested in. And then there's the ad, you know, but don't don't deal with the payday loans. Uh, leave those alone. Um there's got to be other alternatives for that. So now it says here that courts have determined that redlining is illegal when lending institutions use a race as a basis for excluding neighborhoods from access to loans. Yes, that's what it says. Courts have determined that. Well, who's going to enforce the laws, right? And sometimes people get so discouraged to where they don't even fight for their rights, right? So, uh, but if you're going to, don't get discouraged. Hang in there and, and do what you need to do for your rights. Uh, in addition, the Fair Housing Act, which is part of the Civil Rights Act of 1968, prohibits discrimination and lending to individuals in neighborhoods based on their racial composition. Uh, however, the law does not prohibit excluding neighborhoods or regions on the basis of geological factors such as fault lines or flood zones. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, you know, anyway, 
The destructive legacy of redlining has been more than economic. A new 2020 study by researchers at the National Community Reinvestment Coalition and the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and the University of Redmond finds that the history of redlining, this, uh, this, uh, segregation, and disinvestment not only reduces minority wealth, it impacted health and longevity, resulting in the legacy of chronic disease and premature death in many high minority neighborhoods. All right. Well, we know that, you know, stress factors, and that's just part of what uh, what we have experienced. There's stress factors when you're dealing with, okay, well, how am I going to pay this bill or uh, where am I going to get this funds or, or whatever. So there's a lot of stress factors in, in, uh, in uh, being African-American, right? Uh, now, here's the thing. Let me just go on. I'm going to go on to this next slide here. And we're gonna we're gonna just share again, yeah, the American dream. Uh, the American dream is now. I don't. Here's the solution that I've kind of come up with. Right, home ownership is just one way of of investing and having wealth and passing it down through generations, right? And uh, that's important. But I think that really the part of what we're experiencing is uh, the discrimination um, that we deal with, it needs to, we need to heal from it. And we need to be assured, okay, that we can do something about it so that we don't get discouraged, we don't give up, right? So when it comes to economics, I tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm the worst. Okay. So if I know that I'm, I'm getting a little low on funds, my spending funds here, or even my little play money or whatever, I get a little cranky. I get, get to looking around to see what, what's going on. Uh, but even still to be wise about what we spend uh, and what we, what we spend things on. So if there's any way to cook instead of going out, if there's any way to, um, you know, I buy great things. I don't care where it comes from. As long as I like it, I'm going to buy it. So I may buy things, of course, on the clearance rack, uh, on sale, uh, second, you know, secondhand shops. We can find great treasures there. So being frugal with the money is what I'm trying to share in that uh, there was, was a lot of sacrificing that we had to do as African-Americans in the past. Um, also sacrificing, it's not something that is, uh, is, uh, it's important to do even today. So when we're called consumers, it doesn't mean that we have to consume. What we can do is be content with what we have, take care of what we have and look to real wealth, what real wealth is. And of course, investing in ourselves and in our families that's really real wealth because if if we fall into the trap of trying to kill ourselves to to uh, uh, be better than the Joneses down the street but we haven't poured into our children to lift them up and help them with reading and and help them with math and invest in them so that they can aspire to do more with their lives then you know, what have we really accomplished, right? So the American dream, yes, have the home if, if you can, but if you're at the point in your life to, to rent, then okay, pay the rent, but then invest. You'll have to invest in yourself and in your family, the most precious resource that's real, because without yourself or family, there would be no, uh, no big bank or no government trying to come and take right? Or come and dupe you out of dupe us and steal from us and oppress us and keep us from uh, African-Americans from doing better. Uh, so that's something that definitely we can look into to make sure that we um, are identifying what real wealth is. Uh, of course, yes, real estate, and yes, it's wrong 
to be discriminated against, but let's not get so discouraged to where we can't pick up and find value when we look in the mirror and when we look at our children and our grandchildren. That's the point. Okay. So yeah, anyone else want to chime in? I appreciate your uh, chiming in. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so let's go ahead and we'll look at examples of redlining can be found in a variety of financial services. We talked about that, uh, not only mortgages, student loans, um, and the uh, uh, credit cards and insurance. Uh, although the Community Reinvestment Act was passed in 1977 to help prevent redlining, critics say discrimination continues to occur. For example, redlining has been used to discriminate, describe discriminatory practices by retailers, both brick and mortar and online. Reverse redlining is the practice of targeting neighborhoods, mostly non-white, for higher prices or lending on unfair terms such as predatory lending or subprime mortgages. Oh boy. Now we can even look at the big box stores. You can go to certain uh, certain big box stores. Now big box stores means the big the big companies. Now we're going to name all of them what, you know, Walmart or Target. Not not to say that I'm mentioning those, but they're big box stores. Uh, if you notice, just go in and check some of the prices. You're going to discover that there's probably going to be something maybe not on sale that would be on sale at a if it were in a different community or as far as the pricing, it's going to be more, look, you know, few a few cents more as opposed to if it were in a different community. So I've even price checked and saw myself that, um, the redlining, the reverse redlining practices within some of the big box stores that are in specific communities. And, you know, they can make excuses all they want, right? But they're, if the excuse is they still come and bring the, their, they want your money, they're going to put the store there for you to be there. Hmm? Why do I have to pay more? Because it's in my community. That's redlining. To me, that, that's for real discrimination. You know, just because it's on this street, but it's not on this street, you know, I'm going to pay more because it's it's in my community, still close by me. That's wrong. Uh, and that's what uh, reverse redlining is. Targeting the neighborhoods for higher prices is, or lending um, on unfair terms, such as predatory lending. Of course, we talked about the payday loan place. You're paying out outrageous interest and all that. And subprime mortgages. You know, we got hit, slammed. People lost their homes. You went in and, uh, of course, it was higher interest rates at subprime. You know, it's not the prime interest rate is what that means. So, you know, prime interest rate uh, would be what? Even now, shoot, I think they're going interest rates on 30, 30 year fixed mortgages might be, what, 3% or whatever. But you know, if you're in a different community, you have a home that you're going to be purchasing in a community or you're, you know, redlined, reverse redlining. Look, you know, they they know you're African-American. I just got to walk through the door. Yeah, I'm black. Mm -hmm. I'm African-American. Well, that's going to cost me more. That's a uh, subprime. I'm not going to pay the prime interest rate. I'm going to be paying uh, more. Right. So that's uh, that's an issue. That's an issue. And here is one of my main points that um, that I want to reiterate here. There is there's always a campaign in every town in the greater Kansas City community. I remember that was a big deal to buy local. And they'll even say that now. Buy local. Right. You can go to any town in the greater Kansas City community, Chamber of Commerce, and you'll see all the marketing marketing uh, tools there by local. They want people who live in those communities, those towns, to go to the stores that are there and purchase the goods and services. Uh, of course, we have Independence down the way. Big shout out to Independence. They they build up and it looks great and they have the amenities and, and everything that you would need to in, in be convenient. It would be a convenience for you. Very, very local to where you are. And 
of course, uh, you know, just they have the Independence Mall, you know. So if if you live in a town, if you live in Kansas City, then you go to Independence to spend your dollars. Well, that's not buying local. OK, same as Blue Springs. Right. That's another greater Kansas City it, suburb there or town. Uh, Lee Summit. So if you live in uh, Lee Summit, but then you take your dollars and go to Independence uh, and spend them, then that's not buying local to Lee Summit. They're wanting people to Chamber of Commerce, Business Chamber of Commerce, commerces in those areas want you to stick around and spend your dollars there. Blue Springs, uh, shout out to Blue Springs. That's uh, one of my old stomping grounds. They want you to, you know, as a buy local campaigns. They had that going all over the place. Well, uh, that's good. Okay, buy local. Uh, buy buy local. Uh, but there's another campaign that I think that needs to be uh, made aware of those are in the African American community. Uh, support black businesses. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, because at that point, you know, there are more about black businesses than church. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, I, no, no uh, dumping on the churches. A big shout out to all the churches. Huh? Big shout out to my community organization. Amen. Huh? But there's more to business than church. There's more to business than uh, the fried rice a joint down the street. There's more to business than the... Um, well, I got to watch what I say about that. But the the uh, who who's running the gas stations now? Yeah, they're not even owned, not even locally. Uh, they're they're owned internationally. These are international people coming in in the black community, selling you gas, selling you the convenience uh, store items and everything. Uh, but buy black. So here's the point. You might have to drive uh, to a location. You might have to drive to Blue Springs. You might have to drive to, to Lee Summit. Well, do a once a month trip. Do a once a month trip and uh, get in the car with your girls huh, and hang out and, and go buy your once a month stuff. And that way you can support black businesses and there's more than hair stores uh big shout outs to, to uh, brother uh, james davis huh who owns the beauty supply uh store there out there in lee summit those that own beauty beauty supply stores all over and it, beauticians those are black businesses you know big shout outs to all the beauticians barbers oh my goodness very gifted and talented people uh but look for other businesses too that do more than just hair, which is a great service. Uh, uh, mechanics, you know, um, they do more than just that. So that that way, what you're doing, you're supporting a community that that should have an interest of the community at heart. Um, it's like if you're going to do business with other, uh, they have the the big Christian campaigns too, right? There's different advertisements, uh, different Christian businesses uh, and where they get a chance to do their advertisement on Christian radio and they say support Christian businesses. It's no different. It's no different because there's an interest there to where your dollar becomes that vote, that vote. Uh, there were great businesses in the African-American communities before desegregation. Yeah, great businesses. You had the restaurants there. You had the smaller stores. They were more mom-pop stores. Uh, you had the different amenities that you could use there within the black communities. But then what happened? Uh, segregation happened. And But see, what they're saying, desegregation rather happened. And then here we take our dollars elsewhere instead of being in the black communities. Well, take them, take them to the to the uh, black businesses, the African-American businesses and use that vote. Uh, women owned businesses. That's another business that there's a community of women's the sisterhoods, whether they're uh, sorority, you know, even the fraternities. It's like, OK, well, my my friend has a business over here with different sorority, different fraternity. I'm going to go do business with them. It's the same mindset. You're, you're taking your money and you're making a vote. You're supporting what you believe in, right? 
And then from there, it gets better. Because if you're supporting that African-American business uh, and that African-American business grows, then that African-American business is more uh, uh, able to hire you, right? Or hire your children or hire your grandchildren because they're going to need more people there. So think about that. It's like, okay, I'm not, some people are so crab barrel where I'm not going to invest in that business. You know, I know that brother, you know, I went to school with him. So, <laughs> so you went to school with him. People change, people do better. Shoot. I went to school with him. I know him. Okay. And now he's trying to do something. And what are you going to do? You're going to help him? Are you going to talk about how you knew him or his mistakes that he made or her mistakes that she she made? But what's she trying to do now? And, and if you lift up the African-American business uh, businesses, then from there, like I said, you'll you it's more likely to where you'll be able to build something to where you can hire other African-Americans. Uh, there are call centers out there, you know, uh, Come on, there's just a way. And this is what uh, one of the solutions that I'm bringing is that we uh, should look to support black businesses and um, from there expect and just know that things will get better because you're investing in your community, wherever it is, because it's not it's not down the street anymore, but it's it's where you can uh, go and reach out to the community and then who knows i mean they're they may be able to come in and purchase the uh area the land and and build the facilities within the african-american communities and provide more right now we're into education uh aspnc training and consulting we have a sbnc academy and our niche market and people we help are business people yeah so people that are in business uh, people that are in corporate america and they need to sharpen their skills uh, they need to train on uh, new processes that's something that we help out with here at asbnc training and consulting and we have a uh, the business management too advanced uh, Microsoft Excel class that's going to be coming up in July. Now, this is a fun class in that, you know, you're going to learn about the different processes, the advanced processes of Microsoft Excel. Uh, and I'm speaking to a very educated crowd. I'm going to say that because when you when you're in business or when you're in any type of even customer service, there are different uh, reports that you're going to need to be able to evaluate. And Microsoft Excel is a great tool to do that. Uh, now, the this is going to be an instructor-led class. It is online. But say, for instance, you have a couple of people that or, you know, you want to come in class and, and participate. We can definitely uh, get you. We're going to set that up. So you just let us know that you'd like to come in and now that COVID is is over and in the sense to where they're opening up things again, and we'll, we'll uh, accommodate you. You know, we'll still be online, but there's a uh, we, we do have on site training. We can invite you on site to do the training as well. And of course, we're going to walk through the advanced features of Microsoft Excel, VLOOKUPS, HLOOKUPS. That's when you're dealing with big data. Okay, and one thing that I like about this, uh, we're going to work on uh, macros and financial functions, pivot tables, building those reports to where you can actually see how things are going, what, what's going on, uh, building a matrix, a, a decision matrix. Uh, by the time you leave that class, if you have a particular matrix that you're needing to build, we will walk you through and help you build it, right? So decision matrix are really cool. Uh, they're neat. They'll help you make the decisions. It's a way to where you can apply percentages and, and then come up and have a visual of what it is that 
the best decision to make, the best vendor to choose based on your uh, requirements of what that vendor needs to have. So we'll, we'll help you build all of that. You know, maybe you'll need, you need something that has a, a pivot table and, you know, bring in your data. You know, we'll, we're, we're uh, confidential in what we do. We're not going to take your information and, you know, share it or use it. Oh no, there's so much data we we're trying to get rid of data. No, oh, what we'll do is uh, help you build it. So then you'll have the tool. And of course, you'll already have the knowledge and process of how to build it again, if you need to. But then you can take it and put it on a flash drive and then uh, have it for you to where you can actually use it and uh, repeat it, build it again, and just plug and play different numbers. And then that way you'll be able to, to have it quickly where you can get your hands on it and build those reports and presentations. That's what it's all about. You got to see what you're doing in business. And this uh, is a great, great class and a great way, of course, a great tool, Microsoft Excel uh, Business Management 2 is what we call it. And uh, we'll, we'll help you through that. Oh, goodness gracious. What did we do today? Huh? We talked about it. And we did pretty good on the time as well. We talked about it. Look, there is no quick fix to any of this. It has been by design to where there has been decades of oppression, right? Decades of oppression. Do the studies for yourself. Hmm? Get comfortable to know this is what's happening. But also think of some ideas and maybe even take some of our suggestions and make them and apply them to your life to where you can see a future. You can see down the road to where it doesn't repeat the processes. You know, we, we, we don't want to repeat the processes that are bad. We don't want to repeat bad processes. We want to invest in good processes where as we do, it'll be better for the communities down the road. And that's what it's all about. Uh, thanks for joining. Thanks for hanging in there, everyone that did. And, uh, you know, just uh, keep in touch. Again, uh, if the Lord says the same, we'll see you next time. Justice. 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 Justice now.